Open Patience with Amelia Rope, a podcast about business, well-being and chocolate. Hello to my lovely listeners. Lockdown is easing, which has to be good news. And I am thinking about my 50th birthday. And also I'm thinking about cocktails, which leads me on to our fantastic guests. Yes, we have two on the show today. So I'm going to introduce them. They are siblings and they are twins. So we've had siblings before with Rebecca um, Balance Me Beauty, but we have not had twin founders before. The girls are award-winning. They have been featured in Forbes 30 Under 30. They won in 2015 the Virgin Startup for Entrepreneurs in Retail. They won a kickstarting grant from UCL, which I'm sure they'll tell us about. And they launched in 2015 in stores such as Harvey Nichols, restaurants Nobu and the Dorchester Hotel. They are Joyce and Reza de Haas, co-founders of the premium mixer company Double Dutch Drinks. A huge hello to you both. Hello, thank you for having us. Thank you so much. <laughs> so the challenge that I have, listeners, is working out who is Joyce and who is Reza because they sound pretty similar. But anyway, <laughs> what I would love to know is where it all began and also why London? Um, so we are originally from the Netherlands. That's why it's called Double Dutch. Um, and we always grew up in a house where our parents had um, a distillery and a wine uh, shop, but more as a hobby. It wasn't like their main job. So we kind of grew up knowing all the other local distilleries and just build up a good passion and knowledge for spirits. So then when we uh, became 18, we went to university in Belgium, actually. And in Belgium, all our friends, they drank beer. We didn't really like it. So we started throwing lots of parties and our friends would bring the gin or the vodka, the tequila. And then my sister and I, we would experiment with different types of sodas in our kitchen. So we would heat up different types of syrups and adding fruits and herbs and then putting that in big chicks and just, um, yeah, serving that with the different types of spirits. We did that for a couple of years. It was just like a fun thing to do. Did it because we didn't really like the mixes on the market. And then we graduated. I started working in banking. Reisa started working in private wealth management for uh, a little bit, but then we were only 21. Um, decided that wasn't really for us at that time. So we, seven years ago, we moved to London to do a second master in tech entrepreneurship at UCL. We basically used our year at UCL to really devote our year about finding a more business opportunity and doing like all the market research around new type of mixers and around uh, a new type of business business in that in that space and then when we graduated we got an award for best dissertation of the year with that our university ucl gave us money to start the business and one of the requirements to get that money to produce a first batch was to make it a uk ltd and that's the reason why we started in the uk and we're still here in london Thank you, Joyce, for sharing that. So, Reza, did you bring the sort of tech side that you learned from your entrepreneurship course into your business? Uh, I think from the course, we took most of kind of the entrepreneurship side of it. Uh, and I think that was really helpful. I think on the tech side, definitely a little bit less, but we did learn kind of more, how, for example, for our recipe development, uh, we looked at more kind of molecules and used a little bit of technology on that side. So that definitely helped us um, on the recipe and how to, to pair, for example, cucumber, watermelon together or pomegranate and basil. 
They are fantastic combinations, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. So this is a question for both of you, and I'm not sure who wants to answer it first. But what are the highs and lows of having a sibling as a business partner? Um, I'll answer first about Reisa. <laughs> so Joyce here. Um, I think the advantages are really that you can trust each other 100%. Um, and I also think it's just really time saving in some sense, because if we do, we talk about business, we never need to tiptoe, we never need to think about, oh, how is the other person gonna take this uh, if we disagree on an argument or whatever. It's just sibling talk, so you don't really mind how the other person's gonna pick it up. I think the negative is maybe that we have zero work-life separation. Like for us, business is always pleasure and pleasure is always work. And during double edge hours, we also speak about, uh, I don't know, our mom or dad's birthday. Like there is no separation. But do you, you don't live together, do you? Uh, we used to live together for a year last year, but uh, we just um, moved out uh, again. So normally we are not living together, but we do spend basically the entire day. We meet each other at the office at around 8 a.m. And we always, we stay until 10 or 11 p.m. together working. So there's not really, even if we don't work together, it's we are the, the entire day together. And then you have the weekends and we came together to London at the same time to the same university. So we have lots of mutual friends. <laughs> so then we go out in the weekends and we go out in a group with each other. It seems from listening from you both that there are really more highs than lows in having that really close-knit connection. Do you find that one of you is more yin and one of you is more yang, so you're quite balanced? I mean, I think this this you're identical twins as well, aren't you, right? Yeah, we are. I think there are definitely, definitely 100% more uh, benefits than uh, disadvantages to starting a company together as twins or siblings. Uh, I think it's almost all positive. Uh, and I think yin and yang, definitely, I do think we are pretty similar being identical twins, but in Double Dutch, we naturally grew to our own tasks and our own kind of um, different um, responsibilities in the company. And I think that's nice. There's almost not really any overlap between what Joyce and I do. Joyce is very much on the finance and operational side and export. And I'm very much on the sales and marketing side, and we don't tend to go into each other's kind of um, responsibility. So I think that is definitely necessary because otherwise uh, it might become a little bit um, chaotic. A random question, but one that I'm just fascinated to know is who is the eldest? Uh, I am Reisa. Oh, hold on. That was quite two of you at the same time. Reisa is, is it? Yes, Reisa Joyce is. Reisa is, okay. So with your um, business, we've obviously, we're, we're coming out of lockdown, as I mentioned at the beginning of the program. How has, how have you managed the business with um, your mixers? Have you managed to keep on going or hopefully keep on going? Um, I think for us, we normally about 75% of our revenues are coming from uh, the entrees, so bars, restaurants, hotels. So when uh, mid-March lockdown happened, we first thought like, wow, this is going to be quite a disaster. But uh, luckily enough, we really, really got great growth in retail and online. Um, for this, we also immediately pivoted our business and launched a web shop. So uh, about four days after lockdown uh, happened here in the UK, we launched our direct-to-consumer model. Um, and that really has been much better than we ever expected. And then on the other side, 
um, or online and retail sales with, for example, Amazon and Waitrose, Mercado, those kind of retailers have massively uh, grown over the past few weeks. So we're actually, it's much, much better than we expected. And I think maybe after uh, lockdown, once the on-trade starts opening up again, and we have the retail growth, see, uh, growth that we've seen in the past couple of weeks, we might get out of it stronger. And I think it's a really interesting time. I think lots of uh, businesses needed to pivot, needed to really review their business model. And think with Double Dutch, we definitely have seen that there's also different and other opportunities than just the on-trade. That's um, fascinating that you weren't selling online before, but I mean, what a swift turnaround to get that up and running within sort of four to five days and, and everything else. Well done. So I'm sure everybody is making cocktails at home frantically during lockdown. <laughs> it's one of the ways to it's one of the ways to go and the great thing is with your mixers is if there are people who are not into the boozing side of life their flavors are just superb you don't need to put the spirit in i mean i do but um anyway moving swiftly back into the into the questions what would you say your most memorable challenge to date has been with the business and what have you learned from it and i throw that out to either joyce or Reza. <laughs> this is Reza. uh i think there are so many challenges. I think it's difficult to, to identify one. Um, but I think maybe the challenge of starting from nothing and then trying to build it to something is probably the hardest. I think going from some sales and double that sales or triple that sales, that's all kind of that happened. Then at least you have a starting point, but starting from zero, convincing that first customer to take on your product, they are taking a massive leap with having zero credibility from other customers, I think that was definitely the most difficult. And there's such a quite a long process of getting no's and it's quite draining and it could get you quite kind of losing um, determination for it. Yeah, yeah, momentum. So I think that first you just kind of need to stick to it and need to believe in your product and need to believe in yourself and kind of just keep on going until that first customer is on board. And from there on, it's easier to build at least on something. Um, but I think that's definitely the most challenging, just those first few weeks, months, to get at least the first two, three uh, customers on board. But you had a very swift takeoff, didn't you, from from what I understand from your business, is it wasn't sort of treading water to, to get your first sale. I mean, it was swift through UCL, giving you the grant, through starting to win Richard Branson's Virgin Award to, to landing Harvey Nichols. And I remember reading you and talking about you guys going into Fortnum, stuff like that. I mean, to me, it seems a, a very swift upward trajectory. Uh, we were, I mean, it was relatively swift, but still, uh, I think we were super lucky to have won the Richard Branson Award um, only six months after launching. Uh, and that really helped us and that really gave us credibility. And from there on, people started kind of believing in us and giving us more chances. But I think the first three months, I'd say, were really hard and really kind of difficult to get through. And we did sales every day. I, really, I think we did 15, 20 visits every day. And even if it was only three months of getting no's, three months every day, 20 no's is quite a lot. Um, tough. Yeah. So in, I mean, in hindsight, fine, three months is nothing, but uh, at the moment it does feel quite poor. Yeah, but I, mean, I definitely <laughs> think 
what has helped us is to have amazing people behind the products relatively early. And like, for example, you and Ventness from C, uh, from Fortnum Mason, he supported us from the beginning. He's been like an amazing mentor for us. He, he has introduced us to other amazing people. He, Ewan is, is, is a great guy and he helped yeah, me with um, my chocolate business. He, he sort of, I dropped off a bar, my first chocolate bar I had, I just dropped it off to him and he immediately picked it up. He's a very, amazing. he's really insightful. He really understands the market. And um, so yes, he's, he, he spied you and, and it's because your product's fantastic. But um, how do you, this is a question for Joyce to, to, so that she has her little bit of airtime. Um, <laughs> how do you maintain your focus and your sort of clear thinking when you are juggling quite a lot? Um, <laughs> I wish there was like one thing that is the, um, that is the answer to it. Um, but it isn't really, I think for us on the one hand side, it's having an amazing team and if we, kind of lose focus or we don't really know what kind of strategy or uh, direction we want to go into then having the two of us is already one massive plus but we also have amazing team members and a great gm and we uh, make decisions about any any type of strategy or whatever with them and i think it's also just taking time off in a sense like drinking double dutch on a Friday evening and <laughs> having a little <laughs> gin and tonics and next morning having a small hangover, but then get going again. <laughs> on you go. So how do you sustain your motivation with, and it might be your Friday nights, but how do you sustain your motivation, especially on those days when, I mean, I certainly have them, the unmotivated days where there's no rhyme or reason, but you start off the morning and just things, you don't have that same sort of va-va-voom. Um, I think we have a healthy competition between the two of us um, where we definitely, if we want to kind of bring each other up and if somebody's kind of really get going then i might feel bad like oh my god i also need to get going um but i also think it's just even it's now kind of too far but that's so early on in the process i think that we had that after two or three months mm -hmm. yeah this is joyce i also don't think it's bad that you not every day feel as motivated right. as another day i don't think you need to be that hard for yourself i think the most important thing is is that you believe in your product and you're passionate and you're giving it 90% of the time, you're giving it your everything, but 10% of the time you either don't really feel well, you're a bit demotivated. I think some, fine. I think it's, yeah, it's fine. A lot of people are too harsh for themselves, I think. And I think that makes it probably, makes that feeling probably worse. I think have a gin tonic and next day is a new day. <laughs> yeah, definitely. How do you cope? when everything goes awry i'll throw this out to um racer it's definitely um just really finding focus on finding a solution focus on finding facts rather than contemplating how it could how it could have been avoided or where things have gone wrong i think it's then focusing on one single point and that's fixing that problem and then maybe in 30 days or something we can think about it and really make sure that those kind of things don't happen again um, but I think it's important with issues and with problems to try and solve them immediately at the spot rather than overthinking about what went wrong. It's more about finding how we can make sure it doesn't happen and how we find a solution for the issue. Mm -hmm. 
And Joyce, um, do you have an inner critic, you know, the, the thing where you have that sort of inner chat going on? And if you do have that, how do you keep it at bay? <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I'm always super critic. Um, and I also think what lots of people say from, from, about both of us is that we don't really celebrate successes, but only um, contemplate about failures. <laughs> but I, on the other hand, I think that is also not a bad thing. I think you need to be critical with yourself because there's such a long journey to go. And I don't know, I think the the moment that you get like comfortable about it all and like satisfied about it all, then that means you kind of already reached your goal. And for us, there's so many things to still, that still need to be happening for the business personally, for like so many things that, um, I don't know, I, I don't really mind being critical. I just think a tequila and tonic once in a while makes things very better. <laughs> it sort of drives it can drive you on can't it what what is your um big goal i mean do you are you are you looking at sort of taking fever tree space or are you on a different mission with with um double dutch racer um i think if you look at the whole gin market i think there's definitely more room for multiple players in the premium mixer markets we are definitely going over going after slightly different uh audience and segments where we want to focus on flavor innovation into the mixer mm -hmm. category and focus on the versatility of our use so we're not just for gin but also for whiskeys rums tequilas or just if you want to use us as a healthy adult soft drink that's fine as well uh but i think for us our big goal is definitely to become a mainstream uh name in the mixer market and um and be available in in people's pages and uh, people being excited by the flavor combinations and being a kind of more uh, mainstream name with uh, British and European households. Well, they're nifty little tins, aren't they? You can fit quite a few in your fridge. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, one more question on the sort of mindset before I go on to a quick fire round where you only have to say sort of yes or no, it's very quick. Your the decision making with Double Dutch. Um, I I don't know how many do you have first of all in your team working with you. Um, about twenty. Twenty. So for the decisions, do you is it you two making the major decisions? And if so, do you find that you make decisions better if you have longer time to think about them and mull them over, or are your decisions that you make very quickly the better decisions? Do you find different times of day enhances your decision making? Uh, no, I definitely don't think Joyce and I take the decisions. I think our whole team is involved in taking uh, decisions and uh, I hope they feel like uh, that as well. I think we really want our team to be um, autonomously making decisions and being responsible for taking decisions as well. I think in terms of a better time in the day, probably we are more like morning people than evening people, but no, I think it comes and goes. <laughs> Okay, so quite far around, and it'll be interesting to see actually if you both answer the same. What for the listeners so that they know who's who's um, answering? I sort of feel like I now know your voices, which is quite liberating. Having <laughs> panic that I thought I couldn't differentiate. So if we start with Joyce first, and then go to Razor, if that makes sense. So the quick far is optimist or pessimist? Optimist, optimist. Perfectionists? Yes. Joyce. Slightly less than Joyce. Okay. <laughs> introvert, extrovert, or ambivert? Extrovert, ambivert. 
You too. Morning or <laughs> afternoon person? Morning. Morning. There you go. So on the morning note, we are now going to tuck into our chocolate break, but I'm also having a soda break because I have with me my can of cucumber and watermelon. Um, I don't, I was very tempted to have a slug of vodka, but <laughs> I have decided that that probably wouldn't be very good for the show. And I might go seriously off piste and Chris, the producer might get frustrated. So I'm just having that and we are pairing it girls. You tell me what your favorite bar is that we're tucking into. But we're having a fruit and nut bar at the moment um, because I love chocolate bars that have nuts in it. It's okay, my favorite. What are you the... having? Well, I I eat whatever my guests eat. So I've got this bar which I can't get into. But my issue is that I hate dried fruit. Okay, so in this sort of bar, well, I'll be I'll be picking out the sultanas and eating the chocolate and nuts because I absolutely. <laughs> Can't, I can't bear the texture. It's that sort of chewiness. <laughs> so, really? did you? What was? Did you have this chocolate when you were young in in um, the Netherlands and Belgium, or is this something that you've had since you've been in the UK? No, it's a super Bel Dutch thing. Yeah, the the idea of having raisin, fruits and nuts in chocolate, it does. But yeah, the brand we used to have a different brand in um, Belgium, Netherlands, but I couldn't find it here in the UK. But this is perfect. Yeah. So, what <laughs> what is that brand? Cote d'Or? What is Cote d'Or? I think they, they have that a lot in France, don't they? Yeah. So while we're enjoying that, um, I've just finished my first little morsel. Girls, it's back to work with answering questions. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on success and failure? Now, either you can both answer separately on success and failure, or one of you can take failure and one of you can take success. But just pip up who's answering what so our listeners know um this is Isa. <laughs> uh, i think um failure is i think that you learn so much more from failure than from successes and i think failure is uh, a necessity but also you can't i mean i would be surprised if any company would deal without failures um and i think it's just a necessary not evil a necessary good that needs to be there for trial and error and I think you just need to move on from failures quickly and adapt quickly. I think the good thing about startups compared to maybe the big corporates is that if we all have failures, we just move on, we learn from our mistakes and we get going. Uh, and I think that can give us a competitive advantage against the bigger corporates. Joyce, would you, would you like to chip in there? Definitely. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think you probably have your first 10 failures before you get your first success. Um, and I think success is all driven by hard work, being passionate about what your product is or what you're selling and really trying to make every step in the business better than it was today. And I think, yeah, there's so many versions of success. There's little small successes day in, day out. And there's the really massive wins that or game changes for the status of your business at that moment of time. Um, and I think it's probably important to celebrate both kind of successes however we don't really do that but i think that um yeah i think it's important to really identify what your failures are and what your wins have been and what your successes have been and really try to really learn from both sides on that 
And it is so important, isn't it? I remember when I had my chocolate business, I didn't really celebrate the successes as I went along because I was constantly thinking about the next achievement. And I think it's that key thing to remember to celebrate as you go along with the journey because there are some real troughs at times, or certainly that's what I found. For sure, 100%. So we are going to move on to well-being and how you uh, look after yourselves and basically um, keep well. How and where does stress affect you? If I ask um, Joyce first, and then if we go across to Reza, if that's okay. Um, stress definitely affects me um, on my sleep on my sleep behavior. I think then I, I can't if I'm like super stressed, I can't sleep. I'm thinking about all kind of things. The strange thing is, is that if I'm really stressed, I really lay awake at nights thinking and stressing about the things that don't really matter. And then I wake up the next morning and I think like, oh my God, I've been ruling all night thinking about <laughs> such stupid things that make me stressful. And then in the day I'm like, oh, why didn't I even, <laughs> I don't know, my stress levels work a little bit strange. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely notice it on like not really sleeping enough uh, and becoming a little bit like uh, very agile and um, sensitive maybe. So if you're not sleeping enough, Joyce, what do you do? I mean, let's say you're lying. I mean, I, I totally get you there because I lie in bed worrying about stupid, crazy stuff. And, and, and you just think, why have I wasted the whole night worrying about yeah. it? But what do you do? Do you get out of bed and read a book or do you just lie there and try and um, flick your switch off? Or I mean, I've started doing breathing exercises, which has actually have been really helpful in just completely getting back into sleep. What, what do you do, Joyce, when you're stressed? Overruns no, with you. I did those uh, breathing exercises for a while, which really helped. But then for some reason, it it seems like I got immune to it or something. <laughs> like it doesn't work anymore. And I know now what the <laughs> trick is. So my body just like, I don't know, it doesn't work for me anymore. It's very <laughs> strange. Um, I used to always just pick up my phone and start like uh, reading the news or like. Oh, crikey. Uh, but that is the worst idea ever because they're blues with your iPhone screen. So I don't do that anymore. I'm just laying in bed and trying to like, I don't know, try to relax. I try to like keep my eyes closed. I haven't really found a solution yet. <laughs> no. What about um, you, Razor? How, how does stress affect you? Very similar. Um, very similar. I think, uh, but I it did got kind of, I managed to handle it better than I used to in the beginning um, and I kind of can get over it quicker um, but the same on sleep and, and kind of similar as Joyce was saying. Do you think exactly the same you two just out of interest? Sometimes. <laughs> but you, do you have sort of telepathic communication? A little bit not like as as much as you sometimes see the movies or something but we definitely like during meetings and stuff we can like look at each other and like do a little bit of science and then we kind of already had like a little conversation or something yeah so you know, you know yeah. What... yeah for sure you've got your own language yeah so how important is well-being for you and do you manage to make enough time do you think to incorporate it into your life daily i think uh this is a second uh i think uh it is definitely very important and I think the Corona crisis and kind of being at home made us realize it's probably more important than, than that we should be giving more time to it. I think both of us, we were kind of running, running and didn't really thought about it. I didn't do sports for, I think, five or six years. I, I mean, I never really kind of 
meditated or kind of took time for ourselves, both of us. And I think the whole COVID crisis has made us, we started running four times a week, kind of to just kind of let go of, think about nothing. And I think the whole mindfulness, this period did make me realize that we need to uh, make more time for it. And I do think it's really important. And I think it helps with stress as well and to handle stress. And uh, Mm -hmm. I do think it's really important. Yeah, I agree. Joyce, do you have anything else to add in there or just I agree? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think um, definitely like well-being is super important. And uh, but I also think like lots of people always talk about like work-life balance and you need to be able to um, have a work life and a uh, more free time and you need to have a proper balance right that but i what i think what we've also learned over the year years is is that there's also a thing like integration of work into life balance and that's probably easier and maybe more feasible for lots of people and making and for your well-being as good i think there shouldn't be there's often a lot of focus on really um making it super strict that this is your work time and this is your pleasure mm-hmm. time it shouldn't be combining that because that's bad for the balance and those kind of things and while i think for some people that might very much be but i think that it's too general i think for lots of people that either have their own business or do long hours uh, at work there is a thing where you can integrate both sides the sides of your life really well together and it shouldn't be as strict and divided as it's sometimes being perceived or uh, yeah, very good point. People. very good point so do either of you have a sort of daily ritual when you get up in the morning always first a cappuccino this is joyce Same. <laughs> um, <laughs> together <laughs> um i think what well, well, this is joyce i don't really like um getting I think I like to get up and get to work and start working immediately. I don't do first like breakfast and reading the newspaper and then being relaxed and then go to work. I just, I get up at 7.30, I go in the shower and by eight, I'll be on my laptop working. So um, I think that's probably a ritual because I don't want to waste time in the morning. I'd rather than take a longer lunch break or go for a little walk in the afternoon or... And Rosa, do you have a daily ritual at all, apart from your cappuccino? Um, I'm with you on the cappuccino. <laughs> That's probably the most of a ritual I do every day. <laughs> so with um, what I find, and I'm I'm older, actually, how, how old are you girls? Are you 29? Yes. 29? Yes. yes. So how do you survive the onslaught of digital life? I mean, is it easier for you that you were born in the generation when the digital world was really getting kick-started? Or do you find it difficult to detach yourself from it? No, I think we probably, I feel very lucky that we were born in the digital age. I think for us, it was so easy to find uh, hotel years or bar owners in China up to, I don't know, uh, the US or in South America or whatever. You can find anyone in the world, have a Skype, Zoom, sell overnight. Um, and find people just in such an easy way with LinkedIn, for example. I think um, if we didn't have uh, the digitalization, then first of all, COVID would have been terrible. (laughs) Uh, But also, I just think there are so many opportunities with it. And yes, I think there's definitely the challenge of trying to break free from work and kind of the whole digital, Mm -hmm. the digitalization makes that 
more difficult because you're always available on your phone and you get a little notification in, of emails and whatever. Okay, so you have all your notifications on and stuff. Do you have your Do you have your phone on at night when you go to bed as well, or do you switch off totally from the digital life? No, I do. I do keep it on. I don't. I'm Joyce. I, I put it on. Uh, on bedtime borders. So yeah, I think Joyce is really sensible. I think Racer is the. I sound like a mother now. It's like, but yeah, I think it's nice. But... Exactly. I think it's nice to like have no notifications. But I think also we both, from a personal level, we don't have like Instagram, don't really use Facebook. Yeah, but... So we aren't really personally massively uh into that whole social media i think it's already more than enough to have a double dutch account yeah um yeah huge so do you have um a social life do you have time for family friends and relationships and all that side of things do you make time for that yeah we definitely try to keep uh, a full saturday or full sunday always free for friends family uh, having social life. So I think that's really important to have one day in the week to just completely relax, don't really think about work. Uh, I keep my notifications on, but I don't look at them. <laughs> um, well done. Well done. <laughs> no, I think one day a week definitely is always kind of family, friends time. Yeah. And I also think this is Joyce. Yeah. I think the good thing is about the whole drinks industry that you can still go out, have dinner, have drinks yeah. um, in the evenings, even during the week. It's a little bit work, but it's still like super social and still. So I think that's a really great way of, uh, yeah, it's work and friends together. And let's bring back those days. I mean, golly, those times where you just go out to the bar and, you know, out to restaurants and have our lives back again. It will be good when that happens. So what hobbies? Do you have any hobbies? I think it's always a difficult question because I don't really have, we both don't really have like a proper hobby, like for example, playing the guitar or horseback riding or tennis or whatever. Uh, I think our hobby is <laughs> double Dutch. I think my most hobby is just going out for drinks and dinner, enjoying good food, enjoying good drinks with friends. Um, yeah. It's probably my main hobby. <laughs> and Joyce? It's, it's sad, but it's the same. same. <laughs> and same. skiing, okay, we, we do love skiing, but... Ah, well, that's good fitness. Yeah. So do you have, um, either of you have a book or a song that you would like to share with the listeners that you recommend? We actually made a little Spotify uh, list of, um, it's called Double Dutchies with all our favorite barbecue okay. out of, out in the sun um, songs. So definitely have a look there. So the listeners can have a look on Spotify for that. Is that right? Yes, indeed. Great. And is there a book? that one of you would recommend. No time for reading, probably. <laughs> and no time for reading, it's true. I haven't read for so long. No, okay. I think the last book that I read was just before starting Double Dutch, uh, The Lean Startup, which I thought was just for very boring, I mean, quite boring, but I thought it was a good kind of starter back into starting a startup. So not not probably recommended, I would say. No, no quite boring. <laughs> okay, moving swiftly on from that, do you have a couple of tips for our listeners, a, a bit of advice that, that might help them? Uh, I think if you are thinking about starting a company, just go for it and just launch. I don't think um, lots of people always try to make it perfect before they are launching, make the presentation and the packaging and the product or the service or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. completely 100% perfect the way they want it. But I think it's better to just launch, even if it's launch and even if it's not 100% finished, you'll be able to tweak it along the way to how your customers really want you to tweak it, rather than just 
trying to build it perfectly in the back. Um, so mm -hmm. I just think launch as soon as possible. And Joyce, do you have a tip? Um, I think whether you're doing your own thing or uh, you're working in a team, I think it's important to be passionate about what you're doing in life. Uh, I think life is so short and there's so much time that goes into working for most people uh, that I think it's critical and it's so necessary for your own well-being, but also just for the fun of it to do something that you really believe in, that you love doing. Um, and that you're really, yeah, really passionate about. Very good advice. Thank you. So finally, the last two questions. Can you, because the uh, podcast is called Hope and Patience, After My Grannies, but also I think two qualities that we really need to thrive in life. Can you remember a time, and it doesn't have to be work related or it can be, it's up to you, when you've had to have loads of hope, but also where you've needed to have, or another time where you've needed to have a lot of patience? Um, and I definitely think when starting uh, Double Edge, I think there, one, you always hope that something works out really well, but you probably from the start, this very tricky times, um, and think that everything will take uh, a year and you're off. So I think there there's mm. a lot of patience in the beginning as well. Uh, and I think with the start of Corona, there was so much hope that it would only be a one or two week thing. And then we were five, six weeks in and it just, we needed to get, keep on having patience. <laughs> patience is the big challenge. I, I certainly find with, for example, the podcast, which is a startup for me, um, it's that thing of patience and just thinking, you know, just relax, just relax and, and you know, things happen. So would you um, let the listeners know where they can find you, where they can get your products um, and also mention any anything new you've got on the go? I'm hoping to nab a recipe for um, the newsletter off you guys for the for a cocktail or two but yeah where where can we find your scrummy yummy sodas <laughs> and tonics you can find us on in uh, retros nationally or on ocado and amazon uh, amazon does next day delivery and then in all the premium department stores such as partner mason or selfridges uh, and then lots of bars and restaurants across the uk we also just launched our own web shop so on our website you can also buy us and we've got great new flavors coming up uh, early next year as well. Oh, yippee. So thank you both so much for coming on the show. I have really enjoyed chatting to you. I feel that there are so many questions that I probably should have asked and, and didn't ask. And, you know, you what you've done and, and how you've hit a slipstream and, and grown such an amazing business is, is really incredible, especially, I don't mean in a condescending way, but so young. I think of when I set up my business at the age of 38 and you guys are 29 and, and rocking it. So thank you. Thank you very much. Much. and um thank you hopefully we will catch up on on another occasion i would love Perfect. that for a gin tonic hopefully exactly absolutely <laughs> for a gin tonic for sure so thank you lovely listeners for tuning in there isn't a book recommendation for this show i have changed and i'm going to do a podcast recommendation and it might be a podcast that you've listened to before but if you haven't i just absolutely think he nails it it's um adam buxton and you'll find he interviews just in the most wonderful way his guests and his chats are great and he has jingles that just make you want to rock too 
Um, so that's the recommendation. Don't forget in the goodie bag, um, you get up to date book recommendations and there's the chocolate that we have in the show. Loads of information in the show notes. The quote for this show is quite a long quote, I'm afraid, but I thought it really resonated with um, COVID-19. So it is. And once the storm is over, you won't remember how you made it through, how you managed to survive. You won't even be sure whether the storm is really over. But one thing is certain. When you come out of the storm, you won't be the same person who walked in. That's what this storm's all about. And that is by Haruki Murakami, Kafka on the Shore. A huge thank you to my lovely listeners for finding the show. Please don't forget to subscribe to get the latest episode. And if you're enjoying the show, it would be truly fab if you would rate and review. Because as a well-known store says, every little helps. Any book recommendations, quotes, songs can be found in the show notes and on the website too. So until the next time, however tough the times get, keep that inner sparkle you have. Hope and Patience with Amelia Rope. Join the conversation at hopeandpatience.co.uk or find Amelia on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Hope and Pat.